You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Folks, we have this protection. God has sent his holy angels around us. The Bible tells us that, you know, the angels of God that that uh, God has given us, you know, bear us up lest we dash our foot against a, a rock. We have these this heavenly uh, protection about us and surrounding us always who fear him, who reverence him, and he delivers them. Who knew that distraction was an act of God? You don't hear people say that too many times, do you? But what if it's true? What if God inserts himself into a situation in order to bring about good for you? But at the time, it seems like a rabbit trail that doesn't make any sense. Today, Pastor Mike talks about God intervening at times when you feel like there's no way of escape. But he makes a way. Isn't it great to know the all-powerful God who's in control of everything that happens? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 23 as he continues his message, Timely Interventions of a Sovereign God. Jonathan was Saul's son, the king's son, who again is determined, is bent on killing uh, David. But David has a true friend in the person of uh, Jonathan, and he loved David. He was so loyal to David. Okay, let's pick up now in verses 16 and uh, through 18 that describes for us this meeting between uh, the two. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods, and strengthened his hand in God. And we're not quite sure exactly how Jonathan found him. Remember, they're on the run. They're hiding. I I guess God had orchestrated all of the details whereby Jonathan was able to find his beloved friend, David. And I just love it. You know, God used a human instrument uh, to encourage David, as we're about to discover. And uh, though Saul couldn't find him, Jonathan did. God always provides help for his people once again, right? And even though the fact that David was in hiding, God knew where he was, and so he directed Jonathan to where David was. And how often God directs help towards us when we feel abandoned and, you know, there's no help to be had. But God is always there, like the charging cavalry, right, as I had already uh, mentioned. Well, anyway, let's pick up now. And uh, so uh, there we are told, uh, then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, went to David in the woods, and strengthened 
his hand in God. Would you underline that, that, that phrase? Strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, this is Jonathan now speaking to David, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. This is sort of like a prophetical announcement, actually. Now, remember, God is using Jonathan as his instrument to speak to David, right? And how often does God use human instruments to speak to us, to encourage us, to strengthen our hearts, right? I don't exactly know why God chooses and uses human instruments, as frail and inconsistent as we are, but nevertheless he does, right? Well, anyway, uh, and he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul uh, knows this. And then in verse 18, once again, they uh, recommit themselves to each other and their commitment that they had previously made. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own uh, house. Okay, so although at this time he wasn't with David, he felt his anxieties, he felt David's frustrations, and so he journeyed to the land of Ziph to reassure his friend David of God's protection and uh, blessing according to verse 17. And you know what? I, I'm sure that that really meant a lot uh, to David. He's encouraged. His load is lightened just a bit. And David, in fact, after and in regards to this meeting that had just taken place, he wrote the 54th Psalm. And as I've mentioned for the last several times together, that many of the Psalms that are written and a part of the book of Psalms were written by these different men's life's experience. Like, for example, Asaph, Moses. But most of those were written actually by David himself. Let's just read a portion of that 54th Psalm, verses 1 through 5. And again, this, is, you know, this was the result of Jonathan meeting with David, being encouraged and strengthened. And so, in response to what Jonathan had told David, this is the psalm that he wrote. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is my helper. You see, this is the conclusion. You know, that makes all the difference in the world, right? You know, because initially when, you know, trouble comes to knocking at our door, we don't usually respond to it immediately in an appropriate way. That is, immediately turning to God. We let anxiety and fear come in. And it shuts us down often. Fear begins to grip our hearts. We don't see things as they really are. We forget that we are a child of God. We forget about the fact that God has made all of these wonderful resources available to us. So how important it is to be brought to this truth, back to this truth, that, behold, God is our helper. And that's what Jonathan was letting him know. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. And then finally, verse 5, He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your uh, truth. 
Okay, now, so that was the result of this meeting that took place between Jonathan and David. But there's also a couple of things that I want to draw to your attention here. The result of this meeting and the words that Jonathan had shared with David. The first of which is, all of us possess the gifts of giving, the gifts of helps, and showing mercy. And listen, we are without excuse if we turn our backs upon those who need our encouragement. So, if you ever become aware of a situation where particularly a brother or sister in Christ needs to be encouraged, hey, listen, do whatever you can possibly do to encourage. Let's, again, take Jonathan's lead here. We are without excuse, because every one of us has this gift. As I mentioned before, I don't know why God uses human instruments to do his work. He uses our mouths to speak forth his words. He uses our hearts to love them. He uses our hands to help them, right? We are God's instruments. We are without excuse when we become aware of a person who is in need. We need to come alongside of that person and do whatever we possibly can do within our limited abilities. But nevertheless, we need to uh, do exactly that. So that's the first thing that I want to draw your attention to. But then secondly, I want you to think about this. When ministering to others, remember Jonathan here did not give David his own personal advice or his opinion. Listen, when people are in that situation, when they find themselves in trouble, don't give them your opinion. People don't need your opinion. They need to hear from God's word. So if you're going to say anything to them, quote the scriptures. You know, give them that hope that's recorded for us through the scriptures. And it changed dramatically David's perspective on the things that were going on at that present time. He helped turn his eyes away from his present situation in trouble to fix them upon God. And thus he renewed his confidence in him, which is expressed in that phrase, he strengthened his hand in God. There in verse 16. So don't offer people your advice, unless that advice is just you know, totally uh, contained within the word of God. Give them the word of God. And by the way, uh, to give them the word of God, you have to be in the word of God. You have to know the word of God, right? But that's the best thing that you can do for someone who finds themselves in trouble. We need to strengthen their hands in God. Now, some people have asked this question. If Jonathan was such a good friend of David's, why didn't he go with David going forward? Well, listen, Jonathan had his own life, his own calling, and he remained faithful to that calling. He remained faithful to Israel, his country. But at the same time, he remained faithful to David. He was David's best ally, because remember now, he's an insider. So he could, you know, let David know all of his dad's plans, Saul's plans in taking his life and all of that, right? And that's exactly what he did here. He was David's insider within the kingdom, right? And so that was the best place to be. So that was one of the reasons why, you know, people raised that exception. You know, well, if he was such a good friend, why didn't he just accompany David and go forth with the other 600 men? Well, that's the answer to that question. Well, anyway, let's go on now, verses 19 through 24. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakalah, which is on the south 
of Jashem. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion upon me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told that he is uh, very uh, crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides. Come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. And so they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. Just by the way, as God indicated, right, when he inquired of the Lord, this is exactly the way that it's playing out here, right? He gave David up. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Mon, in the plain on the south of Geshem. Okay, so what we have here is the renewed opposition of a determined enemy. Saul is on the move once again. This time the king is being led by Ziphite scouts and their misguided sense of loyalty to Saul. And what we have here in the remainder of this chapter is an example of how God sovereignly intervenes in the affairs of man to protect them. And that's where I get the title of this message from. How that God intervenes, our sovereign God intervenes in the affairs of man to protect us, to protect his own. And as I mentioned before in my opening statement, I bet if given the opportunity, every one of you would be able to stand and share your own personal testimony of how that God intervened on your behalf in dealing with your particular situations. Well, anyway, let's close it out. Verses 25 through 29 now. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they took David, and therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard that he pursued David in the wilderness of Moan, then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain, and so David made haste to get away from Saul. For Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. You see God's intervention here? All of a sudden he sidetracks Saul from his determination to go forward, to take David. He orchestrates this other situation that needed to be attended to immediately. And then in verse 28, Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. And so they called that place the Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds of Engedi. Okay, so since Jonathan had been able to find the hiding place of David and his men, David presumed that Saul would be able to do the same. So David knew that it was now time to move to a safer place. And so David with the 600 men and their families flee into the barren wilderness of Moon, which was located south of the city of Ziph. Now a few miles northeast of Moon is a great rocky gorge called Malachi. And some scholars there in the En 
And some scholars believe that this is the place that David chose. It was a secure retreat for David's men and their families. And a lookout would be posted around the clock from the hill of Mon, and Saul would be easily detected if he entered into that area. Well, guess what? One day, Saul did. And David and his men saw a column of dust rising to the north, and the glint of the sun's rays reflecting off of the shields and spears of the king's army. So David concluded it was time to flee again. David is on the move. Now Thomas Kirk, in his commentary, describing uh, what is going on here, and I quote, on learning from the Ziphites, who have doubtless their spies about, that David had fled thither to Malachi, Malachi, rather, Saul follows with his men. On coming to the great gorge, he finds himself on its northern side, while David is on its southern side. And as the gorge is narrow and deep and impassable chasm for some miles, Saul cannot at once get at David. Well, this explains the statement in the narrative here. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on the side of the mountain. But Saul, instructed probably by the Ziphites, sends a strong force to march around the gorge at both ends and so as to surround David and those that are uh, with him. Well, now Saul's plan would have succeeded, but just as they were about to tighten the noose upon David, again, what do we read? And again, this is all about the intervention of God on David's part. Verse 27, let's read it one more time. Therefore, uh, a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. So God sends a distraction, and the king is compelled to give up his pursuit. You know, out of the same experience, David wrote in the 34th Psalm in verses 7 and 17, and we'll close on this, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Folks, we have this protection. God has sent his holy angels around us. The Bible tells us that, you know, the angels of God that, that uh, God has given us, you know, bear us up lest we dash our foot against a, a rock. We have these, this heavenly uh, protection about us and surrounding us always who fear him who reverence him, and he delivers them. And then in verse 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Pastor Jose, okay, so this message is all about the timely interventions of a sovereign God. So let me ask you this, in closing, what's going on in your life right now? Maybe you need God to step in for you to show himself strong on your behalf. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe you're having problems at work right now. Uh, you're dealing with your, your boss and, and uh, whatever the situation may be. Maybe you're facing a pink slip. Maybe the company that you're working for is downsizing and uh, you know that you're gonna be let go. And you're thinking, you know, how am I gonna be able to you know, continue to provide for my family and meet their needs, pay my kids tuition, make my mortgage payment, whatever. So maybe your situation is a work situation. 
Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe you're dealing with an unruly child at home or, or a child who's become a sick. Maybe it's some other kind of a financial problem or issue. Or maybe it's a recurring sin issue. Up until the present time, you've been unable to get the victory over sin. And, and you, you're determined to do that, but it seems as if you continue to fall into the same temptation over and over and over again when it presents itself to you. Well, remember what this verse of Scripture tells us. The righteous cry out, and by the way, there's only one way that we can be deemed righteous, and it's simply and only through our faith in Jesus Christ. And what are we told? And the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their trouble. So I guess what it really comes down to, are you either in or out of Jesus Christ? It's the only way that you can be made righteous. And, uh, you know, I don't know everyone that's here, and uh, I hope and I, I trust that you've made that choice, that decision for, for Christ, and you are deemed righteous and that you do have this hope. But if you don't, you know, those circumstances that surround your life can wipe you out. There's no rhyme or reason to why those things are going on right now. For you, life is just a crapshoot. It's a roll of the dice. There's no reason why. You don't have the assurance that things are going to work out, that God is going to step in and make all of the wrongs right for you. So how do we deal with that situation? Well, simply as I've already suggested, by inviting Christ to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, please, don't leave here without crying out to God, you know, in your own way. Just simply ask God to uh, forgive you of your sin and invite Christ to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life. To give you that new birth, being born again of the Spirit of God. To help you to live the life that God wants you to lead, as is described for us in His Word, the Bible. And if you pray that prayer, you can be sure that He will come in. In fact, Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if you'll open that door and allow Him to come in, He'll come in and sup with you. He'll sit down at your table. He'll have that intimate time of fellowship. There's nothing more intimate than sitting down with a person at a table and sharing a meal with them, right? That's the kind of intimacy that Jesus is looking to have with you. So make sure that you don't leave here today without making that choice, if you haven't already made it. And also, you who are watching online, I would encourage you to make that choice as well. And if you do, please, you know, shoot us an email. Let us know that you've made that decision, that you prayed that prayer. And the reason why we want to know is because we want to send you some free materials to make sure that you get started on the right foot. So please let us know. HarvestNYC at Verizon.net. Or you can just call us here at the uh, church office at 212-247-1877. And we would be encouraged uh, to hear from you. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. 
As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 